What's happening, good people? It's your girl, Miss Keisha, with a little chat and chew for you. So, as you can see, I'm here by myself, but I'm coming packing a punch, okay? Um, before we get started, let me just go ahead and put my disclaimer out there, all right? For those of you that be trying to get a little, trying to riff with me in my inbox, um, all the statements, opinions, and stories that you hear on my show by myself or my guests, there are our opinions and our experiences that we are sharing with the world. It is not to try to sway you to think or feel how we feel, but it's to help you or maybe just help anyone if they might have been through an experience that we had. So if you don't agree, that's cool. We can have great dialogue, but we, at the end of the day, we will always agree to disagree and walk in love. How about that? So, uh, you know, I had to go back and listen to um, last week's show because I was going to do something a little different, right? So I'm listening to it. I'm like, yo, we was, we was really, really, really passing out nuggets. That was a dynamic show. The information that was shared, it was dynamic. Um, and so I wanted to do something a little different. And then I was watching some of my other podcast people. This one in particular, I was watching the Bay Mosses. Um, so you might know Charmaine Bay and her husband from uh, Black Ink Chicago. So I follow them. They have a um, um, I think it's called Marriage Mirage, and they usually talk to people who are married, coming out of marriages, going into marriages, and they just talk about the dynamics of these people' marriage. So, um, but in particular, they were talking to a couple where um, the husband uh, has been perceived as a narcissist, a, like, and, and yeah. All right. And so uh, they had a, a um, therapist that came on and evaluated. You know, she spoke to them all um, because towards the end, the wife came into the story very emotional, very broken. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he just narcissism. And so the, the therapist talked at, at the end about narcissism and um, his behavior. And one thing that stood out to me that really triggered me to change this topic was before he knew his wife was there, before he knew the therapist was there, um, every time he would talk, he would glorify himself. And at one point, he tried to, um, like, entice um, Charmaine's husband to agree with her, to, to agree with him. And he was like, whoa, 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 you know, like, you know. And his thing was not some women, it was all women. All women are emotional. All women it is. Men are logical. Not that some are. He's He wasn't generalizing anything. He was saying that all women are this and all men are that. Basically, the way I perceived it, like, Men, uh, not men, but yeah, men are superior to women, right? So long story short, needless to say, that totally had my blood pressure up, right? Um, so I did a little digging, right? So because I don't want to talk about anything that I don't know, right? Um, and I just got to be honest, like 
when you think about, like when I was some years ago, back nine, eight, nine years ago, when I was uh, diagnosed with anxiety, right? My therapist just had to tell me like, cause I, nobody had never told me about anxiety, you know? I'm just like, what the hell is that? And basically I was functioning in that. I, you know, my anxiety, uh, I just learned to function in it. And that the hell is not healthy. So I think is, I think a one downfall in our community, and this may be for other communities too, but I can only speak to the one that I cater to. I think a lot of the reason why we still deal with some of the things that we deal with is because we don't make ourselves smart on the subject, right? So that's the same thing. I mean, I wasn't smart to know, I didn't know anything about, you know, anxiety, personality disorders. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about that until I began therapy and I had to be damn near pushed off the cliff before I went to therapy, you know? Um, so now I can immediately, you know, um, recognize, you know, if someone's dealing with anxiety or personality disorder. Now, narcissism, uh, that was a new term to me, right? And so you hear people talk about narcissism, narcissism, narcissism. And I think me personally, before I did my research, when I would think of narcissism, I would think of total control. Someone who doesn't want to take accountability and they just want to control the situation, control the people. That was it. So I did like a little survey on uh, my social media platforms and I got some great feedback. It wasn't that everyone was saying the same thing, kind of, sort of, but it all grouped into the same category. So... Um, so before we get started, this is what we're going to do here. We are going to talk about what, what, what really is, uh, narcissism. What, what is narcissism? And did you not know that there are seven types of narcissists? Yeah, I didn't know that either. Like that's deep. Um, I'm sorry. There are actually nine types of narcissism. So, um, all right, so it says narcissist personality disorder. Point of reference, there is a difference between a disorder and a mental illness. Fact, okay? So a personality disorder, a narcissist personality disorder is generally characterized by a grandiose sense of self and an unwillingness to express empathy. Again, someone who thinks very highly of themselves and they don't have any empathy is their way or the highway, basically. All right. Many professionals consider MPD a spectrum disorder. I don't know how true that is. This is coming from choosingtherapy.com. Okay. Um, and it talks some more about, you know, the brain and, um, the different types of narcissism. So, okay, let's jump into the different types of narcissism. So grandiosity, I'm pretty sure you can, um, is evident. You just think really big of yourself. You are it. You are special. You are the shiznit and everybody else is not on your level. Then you have entitlement. Now, when I was watching the bays, um, 
the therapist said something. Because I think Charmaine had asked, you know, how do you become a narcissist? Like, what, what do you, do, you know, what do we do? And one thing that she said that stood out to me was, if you're spoiled as a kid. I was like, wow. Like, that was mind-blowing. Because how many of us spoil our children with the notion of, I'm going to make sure my child does not live the life that I've always, that I had to live. I'm going to make sure my child has better. Now, listen, let me raise my hand. But do, do you know we can create narcissistic children like that? It's crazy, right? Never would have thought it. So entitlement is a... Um, and when it comes to NPD, NPD involves a belief that one's importance, superiority, or uniqueness should grant them special treatment. You know, basically, they're spoiled. Because I am who I am, you should, you should give this to me, or you should treat me this way, or you should take me here, um, or you should just listen to me. Uh, lack of empathy. Uh, preoccupation with fantasies of success. Um, reality does not often support a narcissistic review of, a view of themselves. They see themselves as great. And so that is how they're going to portray themselves. But when they get behind those doors with just themselves, they realize that, hey, it's really not the way that it seems. Although to a degree, I would assume that some narcissists, they don't realize that. They think that their stuff is hot poop. You know what I mean? Uh, then you have excessive need for admiration. Well, arrogant behaviors. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. These are, uh, these are the, 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 what they display as a narcissist. Sense of superior exploitation of others, all right? All right, so the grandiose narcissist, we spoke about that one. The second one is the sexual narcissist. Sexual narcissists are people who prioritize their sexual satisfaction and needs, lack empathy for their sexual partners, demonstrate an inflated sense of sexual esteem, expect frequent praise on their sexual performances, and feel entitled to sex when they want it. Well, thank you, God, I have never ran into a sexual narcissist because I can see that going over really bad. Uh, a vindictive narcissist. Vindictive narcissists are hypersensitive to disagreements, boundaries being set, rejection, and perceived criticism. They take these experiences personally and are immensely hurt by them, although won't admit to this. In turn, they may respond with attacks and terrorization towards the person they receive as being responsible. Uh, sabotaging somebody's career, sabotaging someone's, oh, uh, reputation or, you know, talking bad gossip, that kind of thing. Um, malignant narcissism uh, is described those exhibiting symptoms of both NPD and antisocial um, personality. Combine these two disorders often show up as arrogance, a need for power and recognition, recognition, a lack of empathy, a tendency to use exploit to use or exploit others and experiencing pleasures in the treatment of others. A covert narcissist, you know, um, somatic narcissist, 
a sense of superiority, entitlement, and self-worth from their perception of their physical bodies. Ah, uh, cerebral narcissists, also known as intellectual narcissists, are individuals who fulfill their narcissist supply by being perceived as intelligent, well-read, and expert. Okay, I, I'm pretty sure we ran into a few of those and didn't know that's what that was, but it's a name for them. Um, ah, this one's a good one. Spiritual narcissists. Mm. Spiritual narcissists, a sense of self-worth from both their own faith and their ability to control, manipulate, and influence others. Now, I'm sure, that's all I'm going to say on that one. Nine is communal narcissists. Those who possess, possess grandiose inflated perceptions of themselves within a uh, communal environment. They believe they have extraordinary potential and capability, often thinking of themselves as the best listeners, helpers, helpers, socializers, and charitable pe people on the planet. In reality, they are fairly hypocritical as most of their focus centers on meeting their own needs. So, as you can see, that basically, even though there are different types of narcissists, it all boils down to the same thing. A grandiose perception of themselves, seeing them better than other people, um, lack of empathy, um, uh, you know, just these are gaslighting. These, these are the type of things that these nine different types of narcissists have, have in common. How do you deal with a narcissist? So I think that's it. And obviously that is super important for us to acknowledge because at some point in time, you know, hopefully not as a, a spouse um, or someone you're in a relationship with, um, but if you are, or you know, you just come, you work with one, whatever the case may be, you have to ask yourself, how am I going to deal with this person? Um, how am I going to move day to day dealing with a narcissist? Like you could say, okay, I'm not going to deal with them. But sometimes there are situations where you don't have any choice. So what are you going to do? Right? So one thing is avoid confrontation because all it's going to do is hurt you and piss you off arguing with a narcissist because they're never going to see it your way. And they're going to continue to argue, even if your point is correct, they're going to continue to argue their point and you being wrong. So why would you put yourself, and they're not going to take accountability, whether they're right or wrong, is their way or the highway. So why would you argue with someone like that when you know there is no end, really? With people like that, there is no end to that discussion. That discussion is going to continue to go on and on and on. No matter how hurt you are, how how much you bring facts to the table, whatever the case may be, that is a content that it the only way that is going to stop is if you one stop or you two give in. Set boundaries. Now, this is something that I have had to learn to do 
in the last couple of years through therapy because I didn't have any boundaries because my goal was to please. I was a people pleaser. Like I wanted to do whatever I need to do to please everybody else. You know, I was the last one on my list. So I had to learn how to set boundaries, how to say no for one and how to say, okay, now this is what happened. If this happens again, um, you know, these are the actions that I'm going to take because I have to think of myself first. So boundaries are very, very, very important. Very important. Very important to your, your mental health. Very important to your peace and your happiness. And just like I, I, I said last week and I've said over and over again, you should be the most important person in your life. I understand we have kids and and spouses and parents and siblings and all this other stuff, but we are nothing to anyone else. Like that's not a cliche. Those are facts. You are nothing to to society, to the world if you're not at your best self. And the only way you can be at your best self is taking care of yourself first. All right? So, you have to set boundaries with people. You just can't let people just Bogard your space, bogard your peace, bogard your happiness. You you just can't because, you know, we as humans, you give us an inch, we take them out, right? So you just can't. Educate yourself. This goes back to what I said in the beginning. Like, we be on our phones, watching YouTube, you know, all these different things. Why not pull up a YouTube of a podcast where there's a mental health doctor that's talking about these different things. If you know, you, you have no idea about, you want to learn about it. Anything that you want to learn about, you go out there and you seek that information. You know, we quick to use that Google engine, just learn about these things. Um, it's never too late to learn about these things and maybe do things just a little bit different. You know, we don't have to stay stuck in, you know, our ways, our people's ways. That's how it's always been been done. That that you know that was probably one of the phrases that used to drive me crazy. Well, we always did it this way. Well, damn it, th- that's not smart. Let's do it another way. You know, so educate, 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 educate. Especially if you have kids coming behind you, because this. This is a different type of world that, you know, these kids are different, you know, um, even from my generation, even from my kids' generation. So you have to educate yourself so you can, I mean, sometimes when I be talking to my kids, you know, they'll say something to me and I'm like, huh? And they always go, oh my, you acting your age. I'm like, well, you know, I am about to be 50, you know, like some things just shoot, go across my head. So educate, educate, educate. Uh, the next one is... <sighs> I'm still working on this, but don't take what they say personally because nine times out of 10, they don't mean what they say, but they know what they're saying is going to get them what they want. At least that's what their mind is telling them. If I say these things, if I do these things, I'm going to be able to get what I want. They don't care that it hurts your feet. They have zero empathy. Now, after the fact, granted, because we're human, you know, and God gave us free will. I am sure that every one of these people have a it's me moment where it's just them and they have to deal with their actions. 
and they have to see themselves. Now, if they walk away from that, when they walk away from that me moment, now nah, I can't promise you that they're going to do the right thing. Can't promise you that. They may walk away from that me moment and be like, well, I did it now. Let me just go ahead and move to the next thing. Or hopefully, if they get some education, if they get some therapy, they can walk away from that me moment saying, how can I make it better? But nine times out of ten, they don't mean what they're saying. They're just saying whatever it is that they have to say or have to do to feed that ego or to get them what they want. That's it. Seek out support, therapy, 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 therapy. Avoid reinforcing narcissist behavior. Now, you say, I know I did. How can you, because to me, it could be seemed as you're reinforcing bad behavior because, all right, I'll give you a perfect example from my experiences, right? So we currently in my family, we, we're currently, you know, dealing with something. And we have one family member that talks to everybody else and just stirs up stirs up situations, right? So I said to them, I said, listen, don't allow yourselves to be a dumping ground for bad behavior. Well, what am I supposed to do? Nothing. Well, I know what they're saying is wrong. Hmm? So they're looking at it logically. What they're doing is wrong, and I'm not going to stand by and just let them say or do when I know it's wrong. But the type of person that you're dealing with, they don't care about whether it's right or wrong. They, they don't care, right? So you telling them, I know that's wrong and you need to stop saying that is not going to change how they feel or their end state. They're just going to go harder to get to whatever their end state is. So then the light bulb went off. Well, what am I supposed to do? You're not supposed to do anything. So you think, well, if I'm not doing anything, I'm supporting bad behavior. Well, that's when you have to, uh, you know, sometimes you don't always have to take, you don't take a knife to a gunfight. So either one or two things is going to happen. Either they're going to leave you alone or they're going to become mad at you. But either or is no worse or no better than what you're getting right now. So you have to find the lesser of the two. You, you cannot, um, by stopping engaging, just letting it be, you're no longer reinforcing it. Because when you're going back and forth trying to plead your case, you're reinforcing that bad behavior. So you have to pick and choose what it is that you're going to do and how you're going to do it. You want, you, you want the person to see um, that what they're saying and what they're doing is wrong and it's hurtful. But you also have to understand that the more you argue it, like I said, it's, it's, it has no end. You're just going to keep 
arguing. Keep arguing. So it's better. So when you keep arguing, you're going to keep reinforcing bad behavior. All right? Because a narcissist gets off on that. They feel empowered. So when you stop, you set that boundary. They could say, they could say all they want to. Mm-hmm. Well, let me call you back. Well, you know what? I got to go. After a while, they're either going to stop engaging with you or they're going to become angry with you. And then you're going to be on the outsides, just like they were mad at the other person. You see what I'm saying? So you have to set your boundaries and you don't argue with them because, again, it's never going to end. And then you don't want to reinforce the bad behavior. Silence is not always agreeance, you know. Um, and again, practice self-care because at the end of the day, you have to protect your peace. That's it. You have to protect your peace. Don't let someone be a dumping ground on you for their bad behavior. You know, I know sometimes we might say, oh, they've always been like that, but that doesn't make it right. Oh, that's just how so-and-so am, but that doesn't make it right. People like that, you have to sit back and wonder, do they not recognize that um, if you are the problem in all the problems, you're the common denominator. Maybe you need to step back and do a self-evaluation. But then that goes back to as someone with those behavioral traits, they still have that free will. It's kind of like, well, I don't jump off the cliff, I might as well try to fly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm already here, I might as well keep going. I already threw the rock, let me just follow it through. It takes a strong person to say, okay, that's not right. Let me try, let me pull myself back and figure out how I need to help myself to be better. It and every anybody listening that says that they can just do that now, it took practice. I'm damn near 50, and sometimes once, twice, and then I'm like, okay, okay, now you knew the first time you shouldn't have been doing that, and here you are again. Like you you know better. Figure yourself out. It's not always that easy to say, um, you know, I messed up. I, I messed up. This is where I am. I need to do better for me. Can you help me? Can you guide me? You have to want to do better for yourself. That means that no other influence around you, like if it's not a positive influence, it's not influencing what you're doing and how you're feeling. A narcissist doesn't always see that. And until they come to that space for themselves and they begin to heal whatever sent them into narcissism, they're going to be out there lost. So, yeah, this is, it is, it is. And, and honestly, you know, the only, there's not like a cure. There's, there's not like a cure for behavioral disorders. It's not like a medicine you can take. It, it, there isn't. They can treat you for anxiety. You know, you high strung, you da, 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 da. You know, they can calm you down a little bit. 
but that doesn't change your behavioral traits because that's what a personality disorder is based off of behaviors, right? Therapy is pretty much the only thing that's going to help you to change your behavior uh, and to be intentional about what you're doing, to be intentional about what you want for yourself, to be intentional to say, to be able to do a real self-evaluation and say, you know what? I do understand how I hurt her or how I hurt him. And that wasn't my intent. I know it came out that way. How can I make it better? I am sorry. So, you know, when people don't know how to show empathy, I don't believe that no one has empathy. I I just don't. Because when you think about, like, I know everybody watches Law & Order or CSI. And like on CSI, when they have some of these cases and they'll go and they'll be like, oh, it's, it was somebody that really cared about her, somebody that's close to her or him because of the way they left the body. That's empathy. Even though I killed you, I still care about you. So I'm going to make sure you covered up. You know, you're not open. And, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Um, they might have raped and strangled you or something or, you know, whatever, took your life, but at some point they had a level of empathy that said to them, that came to them to say, well, I'm not going to leave this person that I care about, even though I murdered them, I I want them, you know, have some dignity about themselves. So if someone that just took someone else's life can have just that small amount of empathy, I think that a narcissist has some amount of empathy. They just choose not to move on it. They just choose not to move on it. That's just like saying, if you're dating someone, right? And say you're dating someone, right? And the person that you are dating decides that uh, they want to talk to, casually talk to other people, Hmm? right? Casually talk to women as if they were single, I'm not saying that, you know, friends and, you know, people that I'm talking like they was out at 7-Eleven, they, you know, met some girl and, you know, they started talking, then they exchanged numbers and then they just chopping it up when you're not around. And then you tell them and say, you know, I feel disrespected because, you think it's okay to meet women and then, you know, you, you talking to these women as if you're not in a relationship and they tell you, well, you just going to have to get over it because that's just who I am. Who the hell does that? That that's narcissistic behavior. This is who I am. This is what I want. This is what's going to happen. And you just need to deal with it. No, I don't. So you have to set those boundaries. You have to set the boundaries and say, this is what I'm, I am going to deal with. This is what I'm not going to deal with. I'm not going to argue with you. You know how I feel. You know what I think. And so these are my boundaries. That's just it, period, right? So now let's go into this. Let's, let's go into this because I think this is really, this is some real good juju. What causes a person to become a narcissist? It's not, I mean, 
family history of mental health disorders. Um, so basically, I would see that as it's inherited. Like, I saw my father act this way, and so I took on those same, um, you know, I took on those same beliefs, those same traits, because I don't know what my father was thinking. I don't know what happened to him that made him the way that he is. He did it, and it worked for him, so I'm going to do it too, all right? Um, but for the record, exact causes of narcissism, there there is no exact causes because, again, it's behavioral. It's behavioral. And behaviors are learned. Does it take some time to relearn behaviors? Yes. And just like that's just like saying, you know how they say about old people, can't teach old dogs new tricks. Now, I mean, you want to believe that you can because you want people to be better in who they are. So we, we do want to teach the old dog a new trick. You understand? So um, this is another one. This is the one that I brought up earlier that she mentioned um, because the young man, um, he did say that um, he wasn't raised by his mother. His mother passed away when he was just a little orange baby. I want to say that's what he said. Um, and then he said that he was raised by his grandmother and his grandfather and his grandmother beat up his granddaddy. He saw his grandma beating up his granddaddy. So that says to me, maybe he took on that behavior because he was like, this is not what's going to happen to me. So I'm going to do the opposite of everything that my granddaddy did. I'm going to maintain control of everything. I'm the man. This is how it goes. Hmm? Or to say, I told you that the therapist said, um, spoiling your children or not spending enough time with them. Like the, because they create these behaviors to satisfy their needs. You know, that makes sense. If their need is for attention, sometimes any attention is better than no attention, you know? So, uh, genetic changes when, you know, their bodies change or um, yeah, when their bodies change. Um, a lot of risk factors are unpleasant family life during childhood, um, conduct disorder during childhood. So, all of these things play a factor. Uh, I mean, just like the young man said, he watches grandma beat up on his granddaddy. And I, I would presume as a man, I'm not going to let that happen to me. I'm going to always take control of my situation. I'm going to always take control of my life. And honestly, one thing that I did admire that he did say was that the first time he saw uh, genuine love from a parent to a child was when he met his wife that he's about to divorce, and she had kids, and he saw her with her kids. 
He saw her show her children genuine love, and that was the first time that he saw genuine love coming from a parent to a child. Can you imagine what what in his mind? uh, and, And he had children by now. He had a daughter by now. Not from his wife at the time, but he had a daughter by now. And it makes you wonder, what was his relationship like with um, his first daughter's mom, with his daughter? Hmm? So, you know, these things, and, and it, I mean, I have to be honest, it, it made me step back and say, you know, if I only knew, you know, if I only knew, could could these things have played a factor in X, Y, Z? Um, but we do the best we can with what we have. But when we have the opportunity to affect change, it's important that we do that. Because even if I'm still on this whole, uh, you know, family traits, uh, behaviors, those kind of things. Um, even if we don't get it right, and when we realize it's not right, again, it's up to us to do that self-evaluation and change it so that, because there's always time. As long as God gives you breath to see another day, there's time to do better. If you wake up in the morning that's your opportunity to be better than you was the day before. So I would think, I know I feel that way. Uh, I want to be better daily. You know, I want to be better as a parent. I want to be better as an entrepreneur. I want to be better as an employee. I want to be better as a friend. Um, you know, I want to be better as a daughter. I want to be better, you know? Um, and so, I try to do the best I can to affect positive change because I can think about times when, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really a nice person, you know, and, and so you just have to accept, okay, you, that when that empathy falls on you, you have to say, whoa, you know, okay, what do I, what do I have to change about me so I can change what I'm putting out into the world, what I'm causing people I love to deal with. Uh, Some things, if, and and again, this is from the same website, um, complications, if untreated, or you don't get any therapy to, you know, change your behaviors, because it really is. I can tell you, um, again, because these are personality disorders, and personalities disorders are based off of behaviors, right? And so... I can remember when I was diagnosed with anxiety, right? And my therapist, because I would just have these crazy panic attacks. You know, I would have crazy, crazy panic attacks. Um, and so my therapist, and it it would it would be thoughts, negative thoughts that would consume my mind, that would send me into these panic attacks. And I would feel like I was having a heart attack, right? And so my therapist, uh, she would make me um, write down on yellow Post-its. She would ask me, what is a negative thought that you have? And I would tell her. And she'd say, 
what is a positive thought to counteract that negative thought. So I would have to write the positive thought about myself on that sticky pad. And then she said, every day, put your little five sticky pads in your pocket. So when you feel yourself being consumed, take your sticky pads out and read those things aloud about yourself. And yeah, it took more than one time for me to be walking around looking like a clown. Well, you know, I was in uniform. Nobody couldn't see it. But, you know, I had these sticky pads, these sticky notes in my pocket because I wanted to combat that negative feeling that would take me into a panic attack. And that's how I changed, I changed my behavior of thinking that, thinking negative thoughts that would, you know, make my mind just be broken. So change behavior can happen. So um, if untreated, these are the things that can negatively affect someone that is a narcissist or have some type of um, personality disorder. Uh, disturbance in social relationships at home, at school, at work, like Everybody can't be the problem. You're like, it can't be everybody. You having issues with people at work. You having issues with your family. You having issues with your friends. It can't be everybody. At some point, you got to look and say, is it me? It, is it my fault? Am I, what am I doing wrong? Why is this happening to me? Is it an easy thing? Hell to the null. Because when you're in that space, to you, it looked like everybody else around you is jacked up because that's how the disorder creates it in your mind. But that's really not the case. And the only way to break it down like that is to get some professional help. Because I can say I had really negative personality uh, traits. I was mean and honorary and uh, nobody liked me. And I couldn't understand why nobody liked me. I said, well, damn, I'm a nice person. But when asked, when asking people, they would say, uh, you better have your P's and Q's, you know, don't go over there tripping with her. She nice, but like, I wanted, I want people, I wanted, you know, after a while, that started to matter to me. I didn't want, I wanted people first thing to say, oh yeah, Keisha, she's so sweet. Now that's what I wanted to hear. I didn't want to hear, oh, huh? Oh yeah. Mm. I didn't like that. I didn't like when people did that about me. So what did I have to do? I had to change me. I had to change my approach to dealing with situations. I had to change. Um, um, that's just like <laughs> my boss at work. I've known him for some time, right? And we used to joke all the time, but he wasn't always my manager. But now he's my manager, so it just is perceived a little different. And so my higher up, you know, he's like a mentor to me. And he said, uh, he said, you know, he thinks you don't like him anymore. And I'm like, what? I love the dude. I mean, he's like, Keisha, you're really mean to him. I'm like, it's just a joke. He was like, but you got to reassure him that that's a joke. So even though I'm still mean to him, but it's, it's in a nice way, I have to, it's kind of like I beat him up, then I pick him back up. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it is, you know, you just got to know you have to take approaches different. You have to be more empathetic and considerate. 
can be considerate of other people's feelings because it can't just be about you. It's funny to me or um, I'm superior to you, whatever. It just can't always be about you, all right? Um, depression. This, I can tell you to be true, not that I, I I was a narcissist. I don't think that I was ever a narcissist, but I could be wrong, you know, as, you know, my behavior behaviors could have been perceived as that, as that from other people. But um, I can tell you dealing with my anxiety, yes, I would go into depression. Um, and I think that is, um, I think with any, um, any kind of disorder, mental disorder, um, mental health disorder, or mental health illness, depression is, you know, piggybacked on it, you know. I, I just I just believe that like because depression will slip in is is it's just like a ghost like you don't see it you don't smell it you don't hear it and then pow is there you know so um, drug and alcohol use like you know how they say check on your strong friends you never know what somebody is going through. Or when you notice someone that um, they're having a hard time dealing with things, you know, and they start to drink excessively, that is a red flag. I think a lot of times it's really hard for us to ask for help. And so we, um, we cope with things. And then a lot of times it's in a negative way. I know right now for me, I, I can't say that I drink or I club or I can't even say that I shop anymore. But what I do do, not do do, but you know what I'm saying. But what I do is I, I tend to withdraw myself from people because I always feel like what I got going on, I don't want to put it off on anyone else. But why do I feel that way? Do I not trust the people who say they love me? Do I not trust them to handle my emotions and my heart? So I am working on, you know, still not counseling, um, you know, going places with my friends or, you know, going on trips or whatever because I want to change that about myself. So I am, you know, I do, I make a conscious effort, even if I'm going by myself. I make a conscious effort to not withdraw from the world, from the people that love me or from my support group. So um, it doesn't always have to be drugs, alcohol, you know, Maybe you just want to separate yourself from everyone else. And maybe you want to throw yourself into work so then you don't have to deal with all the other things around you. It could be anything. Um, maybe you, um, you know, excessively shop, whatever the case may be. Um, but those are things to pay attention to if someone close to you is dealing with some type of um, behavior issues or personality issues or any mental health issues, period. Mental health, itch, uh, mental health um, illnesses or disorders. Um, and then lastly, um, which is probably should have been on top because we all know that all those negative things could lead to, you know, someone thinking that they don't want to live anymore. 
Um, yeah. When you think about people who have successfully um, died by suicide, they were all going through something, some type of mental health issue. And whether it was I didn't, I didn't want to put my burdens on anyone else or, um, you know, it just got the, you know, the depression got the best of me or I couldn't see myself being successful. Like whatever it was that they were dealing with on their own, um, you know, it took them over the edge and it ultimately led to their death by suicide. But, and I think that is a hard thing to deal with. Unfortunately, I had to deal with that. I had a soldier um, and her husband was abusing her and uh, they got into a fight one weekend and I had to go get her um, from the MP station, up from the hospital with the MPs, right? So I had to go get her. So went and got her, brought in the um, family advocacy because um, it was obvious physical abuse and as the commander she was my soldier her her so her husband was getting out of the army so he was you know on leave or whatever and so she didn't want to get any help but as the commander I could keep her in the barracks for up to 72 hours because I didn't feel safe with her going back there and I um I kept her in the barracks for a week. And that Friday came and her platoon sergeant, now my first sergeant, cornered me in the office and they was like, I know you don't want to send her home, but you can't keep her here, you know. And we don't want to get you in any trouble. But I, I can tell you in my gut, I like with good conscience, I just didn't want to send her home. And so I said, y'all need to have a fail-proof plan. Fail-proof. And so, you know, it briefed well. It sounded good. You know, this person is going to go check at her house physically. She's going to, I'm going to call this time, this time, this time, this time. So everybody was engaged. Um, so that was Friday. And I let her go home. And Saturday afternoon, I'm sitting on my couch watching TV, and her squally to call me and say, uh, ma'am, um, she's not answering the phone. We can't get in touch with her. So I said, okay, where are you? He said, I'm on my way to her house. I said, you talk to the first sergeant. Call the first sergeant. So I jumped in my car, and her squally and I, he had just got there. I pulled up right behind him, and the police were there. And like literally, we, we I'm, you, you know, because now it's a crime scene, and uh, she had she had died by by suicide, and um, that really was heavy on me because I had allowed myself to feel like, as their commander, if I can take them to war and bring them back. I should be able to protect them from anything. And I feel like I sent her home into a situation that pushed her over the edge. And, you know, I really couldn't <clears throat> um, 
deal with my own emotions because everyone around me um, was leaning on me. And so, you know, after about a month when everything settled down, um, you know, the chaplain would come and, and, and check on me. And the one person that I broke down to that really related to me was my brigade sergeant major. And he came to me, he sat in my office. He said, um, you know, you can talk to me because he used to give me shit all the time. And he was like, you know, you can talk to me. And I was like, yes, yeah, sergeant major, I'm good. And then he started telling me his own story that his brother had died by suicide. And to know that someone felt the same way I did about someone that they cared about, I just let it all out right there. I just let it all out right there. So do I really think there was something I've could, I could have done? No. I mean, it was no way for me to predict that that was going to happen. It was no way for me to do anything with her without violating her rights. Um, and you don't want to make somebody feel like they're being punished because somebody is doing something to them. So, um, so yeah, so um, that was a very pivotal point in my life. And so from that point on, I am very passionate about therapy and people getting the help that they need because when people act out of themselves, when they display bad emotional behaviors, there is something wrong and we cannot take it lightly. Even when, and, and I would say this, say for instance, someone that's being physically abused or mentally abused, they might not show physical um, um, behavioral changes or negative behavioral changes, but there are some different behavioral changes that are going to happen that should make people pay attention. So I brought it all to the table today. I'm laying it all on the table because there is strength in us supporting each other. And it, it, and I'm not talking about, um, you know, cultures. Cultures as a whole, yes. But I'm talking about the whole pie. I'm talking about the whole vegetable soup, you know. Um, it doesn't matter what your nationality is, what your culture is. If you're in my life or... I come across you, we cross paths, it should be important to me that you're mentally healthy. You know, I'm not going to um, intentionally leave you suffering, okay? I'm not going to intentionally um, do something that is going to send you deeper into the abyss of depression and suicide and um, narcissistic behavior or um, personality disorder. So um, I think it's important for us to pay attention to these things and most importantly, not to take it personal when someone shows those behaviors because 
whatever it is that's making them um, think that they have to be that person, um, we just have to encourage them to seek the help that they need so they can deal with those issues. You know, um, I think when, and you know, um, not to sound like a old, you know, old army vet, but I have a, a good, um, I have a soldier now. Well, he was, he's retired now, but he was my soldier when I was a platoon leader. And at the time he had, um, he had OCD, which is a behavioral, it's a, you know, behavioral disorder. And I, I don't know why he had it. I don't, I don't, I don't know the history of what happened to him or, you know, what made him become that way. But when I got there, they would laugh at me. He was a great soldier, great NCO, took care of his soldiers. You could give him a task. It may take him a long time to get it done, but he got it done. Um, but what irked me was they would sit around and laugh at him instead of saying, how can we help him? This is a great professional. He's already deployed all these many times. How can we help him to deal with whatever it is that's taking him into that abyss of um, that behavior? And so one day I just took him up under me and he did great. He's remarried. He's happy. Um, we're Facebook friends. I love to see, you know, when he posts about how happy he is and love to see him and his wife. And, you know, she's always just basking over how great he is. And, and to me, that is a great thing. And I'm sure he paid it forward because that was just the type of person that he was. Like I said, I don't know whatever, what might have happened or what he experienced to lead him in that direction, but um, it did. And all he just needed was somebody to show some concern for him. And then he flourished. So I wanted to put these things on the table um, because watching those uh, those two kids um, and, and watching a young lady just fall apart and watching a young man have no empathy um, and, and not even for her, but for himself, no self-respect. Like it was just sad. It was really, really sad. And um, I felt it important to use my platform to put it laid out all on the table. All right. Um, we can still love people who have bad behavior. We just have to, again, set those boundaries. You know, um, we have to encourage them to get the help that they need because we can't do it. No matter. Listen, I mean, I'm not shooting down nobody who think that they can do it without some type of um, academia training. Like, you can't. You just can't. I support therapy. I support change behavior. And I just think we need to be advocates for each other and be willing to say, um, hey, you know, what can I do to help you? How can I help you? Because this right here is not right. You know, you can be better than this. And sometimes it takes people to hit rock bottom 
not to the point of where they want to do harm to themselves or others. Now, you have to be mindful of that. Don't just let somebody keep falling and falling and falling, and you're not paying attention to their mental demise, and then next thing you know, you know. Um, but again, as human beings, we cannot project that, and we cannot see the future, so we don't know. We can just do the best we can with what we have. But things that we can control, we need to put forth an effort to control. So I am going to get off my soapbox now because this has really um, hit, you know, just having these, talking about these things and, um, yeah, it just hits a special part for me. And and the love that I have for people, and, and this is how the love that I have for people is generated. This is why I find it hard to, um, like, you, you got to really do something really grimy to me for me to be like, you know what? fucking with you no more like you you bruh you have to catfish me now if you catfish me yeah but you gotta do something really really grimy to me for me to be like you know what I ain't fucking with you no more I ain't like I don't hate you or nothing like that but I ain't fucking with you no more I could see you be like what's up but I might fuck with you no more but I think everything is forgivable because you forgive for yourself, not the other. But, um, you know, I have a heart for people, and I would just want to see people happy. I, happiness is about your, your wellness, you. There is nothing anyone or anybody can do to fill a void, and then you're going to be happy, or to be in your space, and then you're going to be happy, or give you a certain amount of money, and then you're going to be happy. Happiness is inherited in the responsibility of the individual. So, okay, I'm going to say this. Uh, um, I'm for real this time. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um Next week is going to be, uh, <laughs> next week we're going to have a guest in the house, one of my really good friends. We have been friends over 20 years. Um, he's going to be here. We're going to have some great dialogue as we get ready to go into Black History Month and the Month of Love, where we're going to celebrate on um, Chat and Chew with Miss Keisha, Black Love the good and the bad. All right. So we're going to prepare to go into, um, February with the conversation with Marcus and, um, we're just going to take it from the point of view of men and women and how we see it. And, um, you know, what are some lessons that we've learned and we wish we could have done better or, you know, things that we wish someone would have told us, you know, just where we are right now. And where we plan to be. So look forward to that um, next week. And absolutely look forward to um, next month. I have some dynamic guests. Um, the boat rights are going to be here. My good friend Jay is going to be here. Like, um, we're just going to have some amazing people on next month um, to talk about their challenges within our culture, within love, um, just, just, we're going to mash them all together. And like I said, um, we're going to celebrate love also within our culture. So that's what you have to look forward to in the month of February with chat and chew and 
just celebrate. Celebrate being here one more again, um, running from COVID. Oh, yeah, big shout out to my auntie. She got the COVID. I hope you get you feel better, auntie. Um, but, yeah, so having said all that, I just want to give honor to God for just blessing me um, with the mind and the heart that he has given me. Um I don't take anything for granted that I've been through because if I would have known 20 years ago this would be who I am right now, I would have told you you was lying. So I'm thankful for my experiences and I'm thankful for who God has created me to be. I am thankful for this platform. I'm thank you. I'm thankful for um, my studio management and all that they come in and do for me, all the work that they put in to make sure my um, YouTube channel was set up. And if, by the way, if you have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, I need you to do it. I need you to share my stuff. Don't be a gatekeeper. It's other people out there need to hear me. Um, and I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for all the connections that I've I've made in this, this journey of mine on my podcast. And I'm celebrating love because it'll be one year next month that I have had my podcast. So I'm super excited about that too. But having said all that, I'm getting ready to go home and watch a little Law and Order and probably fall asleep on it. But my good people, as always, I love you, love yourself, and I see you next weekend. Smoochie!